Welcome to the podcast for WGTS Gateway Fellowship, a place that is about inspiring hope. You can learn more about us and hear more messages at mygatewayfellowship.com. You are here as part of day one for the first start of a series. Now, most people believe that this series should have taken place in January. Excuse me, not January, February. And because when we think of love is that's when the commercialness comes out about love is in February. But those of us as believers, we know that we need love all the time. You can't just put love conveniently on a heart shaped package and put it on the shelf for one day a month. Love needs to be something that we experience all the time. And so for the next eight weeks, we'll be going through a journey together. And I want to encourage you to try to come out for this entire journey. Next week, we will have Pastor Jose will be uh, will be speaking. And then following that will be uh, Chaplain Pete will be speaking. But everyone's going to have a unique view, a unique twist on love. And so they decided to have me be the one to start the series off with the simple title, God's Definition of Love. I was working in the United States Pentagon. I was part of the protocol department assigned to the tour guides. And there were actually uh, tour guides from all five branches of the service, really four branches. And then we had the Coast Guard, which is really under uh, the Department of Transportation. But there were five of us. And they selected 10 people, two from each branch, who talked a lot. And they became the tour guides representing um, their particular branch of the service. And I wonder, why would they pick me? Do I talk a lot? Do you imagine? <laughs> and so I had the privilege of being a tour guide. In fact, before I left the Pentagon, I had ridden 80% of the tour that you currently use when you go to the Pentagon. And if you really want to mess them up, let me know that you're going to go take a Pentagon tour before. I'm going to give you the punchline to all the jokes, and I'm going to have you say them before the guy says them. And you're going to mess them up. And I promise you at the very end, he'll say, Sergeant Johnson, I promise you that. But as I was halfway through my assignment there, I will never forget this as long as I live. They had made the announcement that the Secretary of Defense was going to have a person come and study with us for 30 days because this person was wanting to see everything that the Secretary of Defense's office did, all the different departments. And so they were going to come for 30 days and be part of our team and we just act like normal. And so I will never forget this as long as I live. We were there one day. The commander walks in and we do the typical thing. Attention. We all stand at attention. And what walked in behind the commander? All I can say is, wow. She was the most gorgeous girl I had ever seen in my life. She was a United States Marine. She had a little Marine outfit on. And those who've been in the military, they can, Darren, you can tell them this. This is the truth. The most attractive girls in the military are Marines. I don't know what it is. You, it doesn't even make sense. Why would a Marine girl? But I'm telling you, I don't know if because they're confident or whatever, but they just, oh. And when she walked in, oh my goodness, Tiffany was absolutely gorgeous. Now, out of the 10 guys there, there were six of us that were single. And we could all tell instantly 
Oh, that's mine. She's mine. And and the commander's talking and we're all looking at Tiffany the entire time. And finally, he had to say, uh, excuse me, uh, I'm over here. And we all looked back at him. I mean, it was so bad. All I will tell you is this, is that one of the guys had a girlfriend. The first moment we took a break and the Lord is my witness. He went out and got on the phone and broke up with his girlfriend because he wanted to make sure we didn't use that against him. If he tried to go after Tiffany, I kid you not. (laughs) Tiffany was all that. And as they would say, and a bag of chips, (laughs) the girl was absolutely gorgeous. And Tiffany walked in and she took control of that place. I mean, when I say take control, I'm not saying in a good way. Tiffany took control and she knew that these six guys would do anything in the world for her. We would be there and, and after our briefings and I, and I look at it now, I said, what were we thinking? Tiffany would say, mm, I want some Starbucks coffee. I don't like the way they make it in the Pentagon. I like the way they make it at Pentagon City. All six of us would run over to Pentagon City. I'm not even exaggerating and try to be the first one to come back to give Tiffany her coffee. She would just say, mm, I want a turkey sandwich. It's a little grill in Arlington. They make the best turkey sandwiches. I'm not exaggerating. We would all rush and try to go to get her a turkey sandwich. There were times where I rushed over on the, on the, on the metro and I caught a taxi cab back in order to try to beat the other guys. I, it was out of control. <laughs> and Tiffany had us running all over the world doing different things. And, and I'm not even talking about concerts. One guy bought her shoes, a Norsem. I mean, it was just literally getting out of control. And the end of the 30 days came. Finally, Tiffany came in. She was just smiling and happy. And, uh, and so I'll never forget this one guy, Mike. He said, Tiffany, what, what's, what's, what's going on today? You need anything? Can I help you with anything? She says, no, I'm just happy because my fiance is coming in today. <laughs> if you would have saw the look on our faces. And one of the guys said, fiance, you didn't tell us. You, where's your ring at? Uh, well, I don't like the way it looks on my uniform, so I don't wear no ring. And then somebody said, well, what, 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 I've seen you, you know, we've gone out and you didn't, you didn't have a uniform on. It's just so big. I don't like to just cause attention. <laughs> Tiffany was married three days after that. She went that weekend and Tiffany was married. All the stuff that we had did trying to attract this girl's attention. And friends, I mean, I could just tell you stories after stories. It was just so bad. <laughs> what we did to try to get poor Tiffany's attention. I always wonder whatever happened to her. Now, what is interesting is that when we look at the word love, especially in the terms of us as Americans, is love can mean many things, but the same word says the same thing. Other words, to test, I can say, I love my sandwich. And I can tell someone else, I love my wife. And in the same sense, I can say, I love my car. I mean, can you imagine if someone came from outer space and they heard this, they wouldn't understand what in the world are we talking about? You love your wife like your sandwich, like your car? What, what do you mean? Now, the only thing that really defines the love that does it perfectly is the Greek. And there's very few times that you will hear me quote the Greek. Um, in fact, my um, particular training in ministry, we had to all uh, take four years of Greek. 
Um, um, and I tell you, it was probably one of the most challenging things in my life, but I got through with a B average. People say, you're dyslexic. How in the world did you get a B average in Greek? I said, well, the words look backwards. They look the same. Somehow all this came out right there. And so I did get through my four years of Greek. But I will tell you this, is that when it comes to love, the Greeks have a way of really just having it make sense. They have three different definitions of three different types of love. And what we want to do here today is to find out of those three different definitions, which one of those definitions is God's definition for love. The first definition the Greek has is the word eros. Now, eros is unique because it's kind of a egotistic kind of love. In fact, let me just just read it to you. It simply means that it says, I see something, I want something, I'm attracted to it, and I want it now. And that's eros. In fact, most of our American society is built off the eros love. I could give you a brand new car, and you could be so happy with it, and in one year, you're just driving along nice and content, and someone drives up next to you with a car that gets your attention, and you're going to start looking at your car differently. You're going to get out, and you're going to look at the little scratches on your car, and going to see the little dings, and the next thing you know, I want that car. And that's the Eros love. In fact, we see it in relationships. There are people who go from people to people to people. Oh, they're so in love, they're so happy, they're so excited. But then with arrows, there's always something that is going to come along that's going to be a little bit better in your mind. And that's why we know that that is not the definition of God's true love. Because arrows is all about attraction. Now, I'm not saying arrows is bad because you need it, especially at the start of a relationship. Arrows is when you're there and you see someone like a Tiffany and that just gets that spark going. But do you have to understand that that Eros is not a lasting love? In fact, if any of us probably would have gotten with Tiffany and really got to know her, I'm sure that wouldn't have lasted long at all. And so once again, let me make that clear to you that Eros love, when it talks about that, it's simply you see something. You got to have it. You got to want it. You just have to have it part of your life. But you have to understand that it's not going to be fulfilling, that it's going to be good temporarily. It's going to be good for a while, but it's not the ultimate kind of love that you need that is going to be lasting. That brings us to our next love, and that's philo. Now, filio love, let me explain that. That is where we get the word Philadelphia from. In fact, it means brotherly or we can in our day, we can just say it actually means means sharing love. And let me just share the definition with that is that it, it, it's something that it's mutual. In other words, that I see someone, I like something about them. They like something about me. And we say we can work this out. And that's where we get the brotherly, the, the unity, the mutualness of it. Philadelphia, that's where it was founded. And Philadelphia has the most churches than any other spot in the world because it started off like that. They wanted to have Jewish churches. They wanted to have uh, Episcopalian churches. They wanted to create this brotherly mutualness and everything. Now, the thing here with filial love is the problem is, is that it can start off that way. But then one person starts doing more than the other person. 
And filial love can get a little lopsided. Have you ever been in a relationship where it seems like you're just giving and giving and giving and that person is not giving back? And you get to the point where you just say, Preethi said, amen. (laughs) Don't be looking at me, (laughs) Preethi. But you get to that point (laughs) where you're just giving and a person is just not responding. And so, yes, filial love, it's closer. It's better than aerial love, eros love, excuse me. But it's still not the ultimate love. Because with filio, like I say, you both start off wanting this. You're both starting off trying to get this thing together. But then when the lopsidedness comes, the love starts to fade. So we know that God was not talking about the arrows. He was not talking about the filio. What was he talking about? Someone said it. I heard it. The ultimate love that God talks about is agape love. And let me just share with you the definition for that. Agape love, it gives regardless of what it gets back. It gives regardless of what it gets back. That's the ultimate love that God wants us to experience. That's the love that he wants all of us to be able to have. A love where you're not expecting anything in return. That I love you just because you're you. You see, this is what Jesus wanted the original church to understand. Is that my father loves you. He loves you so much. In fact, you can't do anything to make him not love you. But unfortunately, the Christian world has twisted it so much and we have made God into more of a Santa Claus with a checklist. And if you if you're not naughty and nice and he love you, he may bring you something. But I'm telling that's nowhere in the Bible. God loves you. The enemy wants to get you so confused to think that you have to earn God's love. You don't, friends. If that was the case, it would be a filial love or an eros love. But no, it's an agape love that he talks about. God loves you. You can't do anything to make him not love you. Now, you have to understand that God loves you enough that there are certain things he may want you to change because he knows that you won't be happy. Because because the only way we can put it is this, that God sees a future and he knows that if you keep on doing certain things, that that's going to cause pain. That's going to cause suffering. And I don't want you to have to go through that. But he says that even if you do go through that hard route, I still love you. You see, I was one of those type of kids that had to touch the stove. My mother could tell you stories. And, you know, there's some kids like I look at, you know, the mother can just explain to them, Johnny, don't touch the stove. It's hot. And if you touch that, you're going to burn your hand and and you can go that and little Johnny or little Susie will just okay, And they'll stay away from the stove. And there are other ones like little Terry. As soon as she walks away, pow, ow. Didn't I just tell you not to touch the stove? I know, mommy. I know. But you see, even then, my mom still loves me. But what she was trying to do was to let me know that, Terry, there are certain consequences 
that if you do something and I love you enough, I don't want you to have to go through that. That's why I have certain rules for you are certain things I'm telling you not to do, because I know what the outcome is going to be. That I don't want you to be sitting in a hospital with cancer and and all sorts of things. I know that. So I'm just telling you that. But I do want you to know that I still love you regardless. I told some of you this story before that I got the worst spanking in my world because, um, Kiana, we couldn't. Mom did not want us to swim. We had a little fellow in our neighborhood who had drowned swimming. And so the rule was that the neighbors would not go unless uh, one of the parents went with the group and they had a lifeguard there, but they wanted to make sure one of the parents at least was there. And so all the parents agreed this is going to be the policy for the summer. And I'll never forget, and you, some of you remember me telling you this before, is that I came down the steps one day and my mother looked at me and says, Terry, come here. And I walked over to her and she says, pull on your pants. And I said, Mom, I don't want, pull on your pants right now. So I pulled down my pants there in the living room. Never forget it. And I had swimming trunks underneath my pants. And I'll never forget. She looked at me and said, now, don't you know the rules that you're not to go swimming? And I said, yes. Says, what about that? Don't you understand? I said, no, I understand, mommy. Well, why are you wearing swimming trunks underneath your pants? And what I told her next She has had to laugh. She couldn't even spank me. I said, Mom, I just wanted to be, well, in case the devil tempted me, I would be ready. (laughs) I kid you not. Six years old. (laughs) In case the devil tempted me, I would be ready for it. (laughs) But you see, (laughs) but you have to understand is that if there are certain boundaries, that's why the Lord does. The Lord sees a bigger picture. And he's not putting those rules or those things there just because he doesn't love you. He's putting them them there because he wants the best for you. He really honestly does. So once again, don't let, whether it be Christian society or anyone else, try to put a condition on God's love for you. In fact, God is always waiting for you to just stop and to listen to his voice. In fact, there are certain theologians that say that God is always talking to us. But the problem is that we're not listening. That we don't listen. But God is always talking to us. He's wanting us to draw closer to him. In fact, um, the Bible gives a perfect definition of agape love that I want to share here with you today. It's found in 1 Corinthians 1 through 7. And notice here what it says. If I speak in tongues of man and angels, but do not have love, I am I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can phantom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now notice here in verse four through seven, it's God's definition of agape love. I don't think you can find it explained any better. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. 
It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. You see, friends, that's God's definition of true love. That's the God that wants to get close to you. When Jesus was here on this earth, a gentleman by the name of Nicodemus was so attracted to Jesus. And if you were to read deeper into the story and later on, you would understand what attracted Nicodemus so much was that Jesus was teaching like no other teacher. And what he was teaching, he was teaching this agape love. He was teaching that you can have a connection with the Father. It doesn't make a difference. If you're born into a royal family or you're just a peasant on the street, you are connected. And so Nicodemus, and you know the story, he went up to Jesus and he went to him by night and he asked him different things. But finally, Nicodemus said, notice what it says here in verse three. Jesus replied, very, verily, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter uh, a second time into their mother's womb. And Jesus answered, verily, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives, excuse me, uh, flesh gives birth to flesh, but to spirit gives birth to the spirit. And what is that spirit? Turn with me to John 3.16. It sums up everything we're talking about. The spirit is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Friends, God wants you as believers to share agape love. And it's very hard. I'll admit, it's, it, it's very hard to love someone who doesn't love you or to love someone who has hurt you. And I know I was speaking to a person recently who had lost someone in 9-11. And it's hard for them to try to love certain people because that reminds them of the pain all over again. But friends, this is what God is trying to tell us, that as believers, that if we want to experience all that he has in store for us, if we want to be part of that great, great reunion that he has, we have to embrace the concept of agape love. There's no way around it. God wanted us to understand agape love so much. He sent his only son here to die on a cross whether or not we accepted him or we don't accept him. That's what true agape love does. Now, as we conclude here, I had this chance to experience agape love 
was just absolutely amazing to me. Last year, shortly after 9-11, I was driving from my complex where I live, right on Sligo Creek Parkway. And there was a lady in the rain walking, and she had three bags, and I had recognized her from my building. And the only reason I recognized her so obviously is that she was Muslim. She had a scarf on and, and the whole works, and it's pouring down rain. And this lady is trying to carry these three bags. People are driving by her. People, Because if you're on that particular road, you live in our complex. That you're not just driving on that road to be driving there. So everyone knew that she lived there. But car after car. And I'll admit, I'll just be honest with y'all. I looked over and I drove right by her. And I'm going, going to my garage. And I started thinking, maybe I should go back and help this lady. And then that little voice in the back of my head, you know what? She's probably tied into some Muslim group. You know what? You're going to pick her up. And I'm just being honest with you. You're going to pick her up. And next thing you know, you're going to be on some list. When you go to the airport, they're going to be checking you every time. All these thoughts start going through my head. What are you thinking picking up this lady? And for my devotion that morning, I had been studying agape love. Love that gives regardless. And so I went back, found her, picked her up, and she just thanked me so much. She says, I have these three bags that I'm trying to carry in the rain. And I mean, it was one of those days it was just pouring. She was just soaked. She says, I'm going to probably lose all my groceries and so I started having this conversation with her and discovered that she's a professor at University of Maryland, teaches physics from Egypt. And they recruited her because this lady is so brilliant. I call her Sarah, um, um, but um, uh, just brilliant. And she just thanked me so much. And I drove her in the complex, helped her carry her stuff upstairs and said, Sarah, if there's anything wet, you need to go back to the store, let me know. And next thing I know, the next day, Sarah brought down a little pie for me and just thanking me so much. She says, she says, I felt so bad that so many of our neighbors just drove right by me, drove right by me, car after car after car. And just thank you so much for stopping. But let me tell you the uniqueness of the story. I got a phone call around maybe a month ago. And it was from our front desk and said, uh, Sarah's looking for you. And so I uh, got a hold of her and she says, I'm going to be going back to Egypt. And I'm wondering if you could drive me back, uh, drive me out to Dulles Airport. My family's already left, but could you drive me out? I said, sure, Sarah, no problem. So I pick her up and I'm driving her to the airport and we're talking. Sarah, then we get out of the car and I'm helping her for luggage. She looks at me and says, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come back to the country or not, but I want to tell you this. Because of you, when I get to Egypt, I'm going to go to a Christian church and see what it's all about. Can you imagine that? You see what agape love does? It wasn't me preaching a sermon to her. It wasn't giving me her a list of rules to believe. It was simply me using what Jesus tells us all along, agape love. Loving someone without expecting something in return. And so that as we face this 9-11, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or even the next day. But what we do know 
is that we can practice the love that Jesus taught us to practice. The same unselfishness that he had by dying on the cross for us. We can practice that with people every day. There's people right in your community that simply needs you to simply say hi to them. There is someone who you walk by every day that they need you to stop and just smile at them and say, how's your day doing? Without you expecting to get something out of it. And friends, if Christians were to practice that, can you just imagine what this world would be like if we were to get in the habit of loving people regardless, loving people without expecting anything in return? Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship, a ministry of WGTS 91.9. We'd love for you to visit us sometime. Services happen each Saturday evening at 6. You can learn more about us and get more podcasts at mygatewayfellowship.com.